Hey, thanks for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to hear more and help support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness or find links to all our socials at zerobrightness.com. I'm rolling one, mm-hmm. rolling two. Stay rolling. Picture me rolling. <laughs> Absolutely. You think there's like a picture me rolling, um, light rolling air raid vehicle mashup? Probably. White people love that shit. Can't believe I hadn't thought of that till now. Yeah, they do. <laughs> White people do love Wayne Brady because he makes uh, Ryan Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, I, Chappelle show is canceled, dude. That but. the most fucked up thing about the whole Chappelle being a piece of shit now shit is that like I literally reference Chappelle show every day because it's like <laughs> I mean it was such an important thing for people our age. Like, yeah, I I was saying like the only thing there's been a couple shows since that I feel like have reached like that level of like importance in comedy and they're still like nowhere near like Chappelle show Chappelle show was fucking crazy dude yeah that's that's just gonna stick with me for my entire life I watched like all the Paul Mooney like there's like you go on YouTube and just watch like a whole like mashup of all of the Paul Mooney shit from that show and it's so fucking funny man yeah dude oh yeah the <laughs> the cast of that show is insane yeah it's so funny it's so good yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's sad. Sad that he's a dumb fuck now. But yeah, I don't know. He he took that little trip between seasons two and three or whatever, and he came back a, a worse person. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of funny to see what he's doing now. Cause like I live in Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area. <laughs> I keep forgetting that I moved to out of Minneapolis, but I live in Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area. Uh, he. <laughs> He came to perform at First Avenue, which is like our big beloved venue. It's historical. It's where Prince shot Purple Rain, blah, blah, blah. And there was a big outcry and his performance got moved to another venue. And there was like this whole thing. And so seeing it firsthand, like where I live, it was really interesting because it made me realize which I kind of already knew but it just confirmed that he's now just another um, right wing grifter where like he just goes around he causes quote unquote controversy and then he farms um, like engagement from the controversy yeah of course because like you know you're gonna quote unquote like trigger the libs and then you're gonna have a bunch of people who are like fuck those snowflakes and you get those people to buy tickets or give you clicks or likes or whatever thing you're seeking it doesn't matter and he's actually making really good money doing that I think the thing with Chappelle that's fucking weird is that like I don't know why he's doing it because like he doesn't have to do that like it's easy to see why somebody who's just like another like Mm -hmm. unfunny hack like Joe Rogan like would have to do that or any of those people any of that horrible LA you know podcast bro scene you know yeah like (laughs) Brendan Schaub Whitney Cummings Chris D'Elia any of these fucking people like 
it's easy to see why they would have to but with Chappelle it's like okay Chappelle is beloved to like or was beloved to like an entire generation of people. He has deep connections to the music scene. What he used to do is just show up with some artists that everybody loves and let you know, it doesn't matter who it is like quest love or D'Angelo or fucking whoever and have someone play some music and he gets up and does some jokes. And then that's like the show and everyone, you know, is literally falling all over themselves to give him money. So like this new strategy of like, you know, being like a conservative grifter rage farmer is weird because mm. it's like maybe it's just because like nobody fucks with him or like people were starting to just like not fuck with him. I don't know. It's probably just the. I mean, a maybe it's because it's just even more money. Like it's just an untapped market of people to like exploit. Sure. Or it's purely that he just did the thing that happens sometimes where you get older and you become like conservative. Like you spend your your younger years being, you know, like a comedian who ostensibly makes fun of like weird little just shitty people. And then you get old and you're like, oh, I don't believe any of that anymore. Like you just become the sort of person that's like winded rage against the machine become political. Like right. it's just, he just he just turned into one of those people. And now everything's just like, no, it's all jokes and bits, man. Nothing is serious. I just want to live my life. And then he gets mad at people for telling him not to be a piece of shit. Yeah. So he found he found a way to maybe make more money than he was before. Like maybe that's the secret is like he retained half of his fan base because they're all centrists. And then he like brought in a whole bunch of just people who otherwise hate black people or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely what happened. I think the thing that bugs me out is that he specifically quit his own show, which was massive and had a massive contract with comedy central because he didn't like that. People like that, were enjoying mm-hmm. his show mm-hmm. like everybody by now knows this famous story about how he was doing a sketch where he was dressed as like uh like a like a stereotypical like black caricature from the 40s or 30s right and like he saw someone laughing he felt this person was laughing for the wrong reason and it made him reflect on all the bros who were doing Lil John impressions and like all the bros who are like yelling stuff at him in the street and stuff and thinking like oh these people are consuming this for the wrong reason so like those people literally made him quit comedy for like over a decade and so it's just really weird for him to come back and be like, all right, now it's time to cash in on those exact same people, except this time I'm doing a new set that's tailored to them. And like, it's not unprecedented because that's what happened with fucking neon Genesis Evangelion where like Hideako Anno made an anime about how like people who like anime are like subhumans and then came back like 50, well, 20 years later and was just like, Oh, now we're going to make a movie to sell sexy statuettes. And it's like, I don't know. I guess it, it it just happens, but it's just fucking weird to me every time it does, and it will never not be weird. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to get into Evangelion right now. No, I know. Me neither. I don't know why I did that. Sorry. 
I feel like I feel like we both secretly in our own time to want to get into it, but never at the same time. <laughs> Maybe one we'll day, t- one day we'll sit down to do something else, and we'll end up doing that for like an hour and a half, and be like, "Oh, here's the episode. It's actually just talking about Evangelion." <laughs> Let's try and sync up our cycles. <laughs> see if we can. <laughs> I would, if only because I my secret <laughs> desire is that I want to record a like a. Uh, Rhodes piano, drums, upright bass, jazz album of Ava covers mm, mm-hmm. um, okay. where I play all the instruments. So yeah. uh, doing an Evangelion episode give me a good excuse to do that. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I didn't realize we were recording this whole time, man. Are you recording? I'm recording. Yeah, I've been recording. I was just like, I thought we were, or like, I thought we were when I hit record, and then I forgot that we were. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm definitely recording. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. That's anyway, uh, so we're here to talk about uh, <laughs> something. Evangelion! We're, we're here Cue to the talk- music. You know which song. <laughs> we're here to talk about something that's just as psychologically damaging as that previous conversation, <laughs> which is... Um, Resident Evil film and TV adaptations, mostly TV, um, you know, because at this point in time, there are now a lot of film and TV adaptations of Resident Evil. And it's really weird. And the weirdest part to me is that I don't really get the big opinions on them because we'll get into this later. I, in the last episode, I gave you guys my pitch for why I think the new Resident Evil TV series is good. Uh, and you can listen to the last episode to hear that. I'm not going to do it again. I'm sure I'll rehash some of those points when we get to that. But I think it's pretty good. And the reason that it bugs me out that people hate it so much is that like they've been making absolute dog shit Resident Evil visual media adaptations for years now. And all of them are, like, far worse than this TV show. And so even if you don't think the TV show is very good, like, you do need to acknowledge that, like, there is, there are so many bad things called Resident Evil that you could go watch that are just, like, the actual bottom of the barrel that I, like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to give this new thing at least a little bit of credit for, like, being an actual thing you could sit down and watch. I don't remember how many adaptations there are. I mean, I know about the the I know about the movies at least. Those are the live action movies. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I have the whole timeline right here, so I will tell it to you. So basically, Resident Evil film adaptations start in 2002 with the film Resident Evil. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but the original Resident Evil movie is actually a pretty good movie. I like it a lot. You know, it's directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, who made. Uh, Event Horizon, we discovered. Uh, and Mortal Kombat. And Mortal Kombat, but who hasn't really done anything good after <laughs> this Resident Evil movie in 2002. Um, so in my mind, he's always been kind of a like Garbo director, but then he also made Mortal Kombat, which is super fun, and he made Event Horizon, which is like a great movie. So props to him. Um, you know, these movies star Mila Jovovich, the first one has Michelle Rodriguez, who who rocks. 
Um, you know, the original Resident Evil movie is just a fun movie, but it did set an interesting precedent for these adaptations, which is that it didn't have anything to do with the story or lore of the games. It's its own sci-fi horror action movie, and it's very, very heavily inspired by contemporary sci-fi horror action movies. There's a big influence from like the movie Cube. Uh, I was gonna say Cube shit. Cube. I mean, there definitely is some Event Horizon influence. I think. Well, the first one's definitely more horror-y, I think, than all the other ones. But it's also very sci-fi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just mean that they become like. They essentially just become action movies by the uh, second one. But the first one at least tries to play around a little more with like an aliens kind of. You have a group of people who are kind of being slowly killed off. Right. Exactly. But yeah, so the original one, you know, for me, especially at the time, I thought it was a really fun movie. I think if you liked movies like that, like Event Horizon, Cube, um, I'd probably throw like The Cell into this kind of like sci-fi horror Mm -hmm. conversation, even though that's a very different movie. There's a lot of similarities and it's just like a pretty fun movie. The thing that I think this movie did that's really smart that I'll keep returning to is that it just kind of ignored the story of the games. Because even at the time that this movie came out in 2002, the Resident Evil timeline and lore was already a fucking mess, dude. Like, <laughs> it was so messy that, like, if you if you sat down to try and organize it into something that could be adapted into a movie or a TV show or whatever, it, it would just be impossible. The amount of rewriting you'd have to do, you'd probably just say, well, I'd rather just start over because I can probably make it something better and I can probably write more engaging and compelling characters than what is in the games because reminder gamers if you're making like an actual thing for actual people (laughs) you need compelling characters (laughs) and you need like good performances and you need something to draw the viewer in the same traditional stuff that always draws in the viewer good characters good aesthetics you know decent central mystery you know so I think that was a smart choice, but it's also interesting to note that the second film in the series, which is Resident Evil Apocalypse, kind of changed course uh, and decided to bring in a bunch of stuff from the games in an attempt to, I don't know, uh, connect it more to the series, maybe placate gamers or placate gamers. Yeah, give people who are fans of the series something to latch onto. And I think it's kind of it's kind of a failure in that regard, but it's also a success in the sense that it is one of the most entertaining, stupid, brain dead movies you can ever watch. That movie's crazy. Yeah, because the first movie's really only got what, like it has the dogs and then it's umbrella, and that's really kind of it. And then the second one is the like we put pyramid head in it kind of thing. Yeah. They just kept like just throwing shit at it. That's from all the games that had come out up until that point. Yeah. And that, that had to be a, like everyone's mad. It has nothing to do with the games. So they're trying to like find an easy way to get people to be happy. Right. 
Well, and what they decided to do with this movie was add in characters from the game. Specifically, they added Jill and Carlos. And then they also decided to make it kind of an outbreak day story, which is a pretty big convention that you see in zombie movies. You know, there's kind of stories that are set. You kind of get three phases of zombie movies, and it's all sort of based on what Romero did with his, like, of the dead series, right? You've got the ones that are sort of a prequel that show you what happened before the big outbreak. You've got your outbreak day stories, which show a virus uh, breaking out and spreading across a metro area or a country or the world or whatever. And then you've got your post-apocalypse stuff where you show people trying to survive in a world that's been overrun by a zombie uh, virus, right? And, and then so, you're post post apocalypse, and then your post 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 apocalypse. Well, yeah. And then exactly. the one where they're like, "No, we're teaching them now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the one that has Dennis Hopper in it for no reason. But, well, there's uh, one. There's like a new one on Netflix. I think that's like it, obviously it can't be a Romero movie, but like, it, I mean, it is like uh, legally or what? Like the whoever owns that IP, it's one of those. Yeah. For sure. But it's yeah. like the eighth one in his line. Yeah. I remember. I watched like one of his more. I don't think it was the last movie he ever made, but it was like one of the ones he made like in the aughts. And I was like, this sucks, man. Yeah. I've watched a lot of the later era ones and they're not good, but they're they're interesting, I guess. You know, at least as like ideas. Sure. You know, I just, guess. I guess. I don't know. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan Me of that either. stuff. Obviously, the original two are like absolutely banging i guess three but especially the yeah the the first three are all dawn night and day are all you know yeah exactly they're all Uh, they're all good yeah but so with resident evil apocalypse they decided to do their own outbreak day story and they decided to weave in a little bit of the game but it's mostly in weird disconnected references so we get characters we get more enemies from the game the liquors are famously in the movie um but more of a beer guy but you know (laughs) it's it's definitely still a little weird because it's more concerned with its own story and lore than it is with any sort of wider universe story and lore that could either be inspired by the games or connected to the games. I think the weirdest thing watching it as an audience member in 2004, cause I went and saw this movie in the theater when it came out was that like they put Jill in the game, but she's like the sidekick and it was just really weird, you know, that it's like, Oh, like we still need Mila Jovovich, her character Alice, to be like the hero who kicks the most ass and who is the yeah. toughest. And you she know, she is kind of the main character right up until uh, Mila Jovovich crashes through a stained glass window on a motorcycle. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. With a uh, with her under, she has an undercut, right? Because it's like we shaved part of your head to put the tubes in your brain, and <laughs> yeah. now they're gone, so you have an undercut and you look cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she shows up with her, uh, her submachine guns on her motorcycle in the middle of a church. Right. Exactly. And she's like multi-pass. That doesn't yeah. happen. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that those, those two movies are really interesting because they kind of show the two routes that a lot of the other resident evil film adaptations would take. Right. There's either, you just ignore the story and lore or 
you try to clumsily weave it into an existing storyline that you wrote. And that generally tends to be the two speeds that most of these adaptations that would follow would take. And we're going to talk about a few different branches here and a few different things that have happened with Resident Evil film adaptations. But those are kind of your two options. There's obviously a third option where you could make something that's heavily based on the games, but only one piece of media like that has ever been made. And we'll talk about it later. But so... (laughs) Following these first two movies, I think the Resident Evil Anderson film series, the Anderson Jovovich film series, that's what, that's what they would have been called. Does that include uh, Monster Hunter? (laughs) What? You made a Monster Hunter movie? Yeah, man. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it just looks like the Resident Evils where they're in the desert. Oh, sure. Like, it's just, they're on a Humvee with like a minigun on it and... They're all like from a spec ops group, but they're monster hunting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he and he's the director and she's the lead character. Oh, wow. I yeah, totally miss missed that? that. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like batshit awful. I don't know how that movie got greenlit. Yeah. So the thing about the Resident Evil movies, and I guess the Resident Evil Monster Hunter shared um, universe. Mm, the, I can't make an acronym. There's probably a really cute acronym that actually spells a word in there, though. We yeah. should figure that out. Sure. The Romchus or something. Anyway, Remchus. Uh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, so with the Resident Evil Anderson films... In researching for this episode, I realized that I've seen more of these than I thought. Yeah, we all have. Yeah, like it looks like there's six of them and Mm. I've Mm. seen like four of them. There's a final two retribution in the final (laughs) chapter that I haven't seen, but there's extinction and afterlife, which are the two that I have actually watched. These movies are fucking boring as shit. Like... They, as far as I can remember, because I didn't rewatch them because they're really fucking bad. Um, as far as I can remember, they don't really do anything different than the first two films. They're basically just extensions of the second movie. Like I said, they're more concerned with the film's own lore, story, and timeline than anything from the games, but they keep clumsily weaving in either characters from or references to the original game. They're set in an increasingly apocalyptic world, which is a bad choice in my opinion just because it just gets more more and more and more boring like eventually they're literally just in a desert i don't know i think these movies are the worst um they're bad but they're not funny uh once again they're so concerned with the series lore that they made for these movies that they don't even ask the question like is this lore interesting or cool? And the answer to both is no. (laughs) Like they're just very bog standard direct-to-video action movies that you would have seen in the late nineties, but they're in the late aughts. So it just comes off very poorly. Um, Yeah. And I, and I think that a lot of people just kind of lost interest in this series. I'm sure they made a lot of money because they kept making them and the budget on these is pretty low. So like if you're looking at the box office returns for these movies they're not crazy by like hollywood standards but considering that these movies were probably made with a very low budget you know 
they were yeah okay so like the final chapter for example made about 300 million at the box office it cost 40 million to make so damn those are both low numbers but the disparity between those numbers is nice that's a nice margin you say that but in my mind i'm like oh 300 millions that's great That's so many. That's so many dollars. That's a lot of dollars. Right. Exactly. And you know, you compare it to like movies that are failures. A lot of movies that are failures will make that same box office, but they had that budget, which means that the studio took a huge loss on making that movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this question on the subject of these movies. Okay. While we're still here, um. Nine hours and 37 minutes worth of material here. It's the first five movies in the collection. Uh-huh. Uh, looks like I can buy it from the Goodwill in Seattle for $3. <laughs> or all on Blu-ray for these five films. You think it's worth it? Um, you think I should? Do you think for three dollars and nine and a half hours of my life, it would be a somewhat enjoyable experience to watch these movies? Given the right setting, yeah. Um, what what if thought, I get high? Yeah, that's probably that will probably help. Okay, that's all <laughs> I need to know. I think I might buy it. <laughs> we actually almost did a marathon of all these movies uh, over COVID. Monica and I were talking about doing it, but then we were like, "There's six of them. Yeah, what the I'm fuck? I thought there were like four, and I think those last two are what kind of stopped me. Or I was I mean, just like. I- I suggest uh, a Twilight marathon. I had a lot of fun watching those movies. I mean, we did. We had the exact same thing with Twilight, where Monica got me to watch the first Twilight, and that was great because that was maybe the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's up there. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, I love unintentionally hilarious big budget movies like that, and like the original cut of Justice League, not the Snyder cut. Fuck that shit. Um, but like. We were going to watch the whole series and we were like, dude, these movies just get longer and longer and longer. And the thought of actually mm-hmm. watching like a three hour movie, it's just, it's not funny after a certain point. Like I didn't even want to finish the first movie because I kind of lost interest after the first hour. But then she was like, well, there you have to stay for the baseball game. And by the time you get to the baseball game, you're basically at the end of the movie. And so that got me to watch it. That was like a two hour movie. Or hour well, I hate to admit it, but I became legitimately interested in the plot of the <laughs> story. Uh, so I had fun watching all of them. <laughs> I did not, but I did love the unintentional comedy. Those movies are so funny. Like the baseball scene does rock. <laughs> it's dude. just awesome. I'll say it over and over. That is like a movie that was not made by people. It feels like it was made by aliens trying to hmm. trick people into watching a movie. Like the acting, the directing, ev- the effects, the way it looks. It's just the way it's edited. The editing is psychotic. Everything is over edited to like a crazy degree. Like if somebody sniffs, they cut the camera back to them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are no shots longer than like two seconds in that movie. It's awesome. But yeah, it doesn't feel like people made it, which is pretty cool. I mean, but I'm like into the the idea of that though. That aliens made it and they're just tricking me into like I'm just a little pawn, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that brings me the sort of comfort that like believing in a god brings people. Right. Know? Yeah. Like just knowing I'm being puppeteered by fucking aliens and they're just like, dance for me, monkey. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. At least I know there's someone above me, you know? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> One set of footprints, but they're not feet. They're like <laughs> whatever the aliens have. Yeah. They're like triangles. <laughs> 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 they have Triforce feet. Yeah, you exactly. Know? But yeah, so, so the Resident Evil movies, you know, they kind of lose the plot and they... They ultimately just became their own thing, which is totally fine. But because of that, we got sort of an alternate take on what a Resident Evil movie could be. And those would be the Resident Evil CGI movies. Um, So these ones debuted in 2008. Uh, The first one is called Degeneration. And this is the only one that I've seen because Monica bought me a DVD copy of it. Um, I don't remember why, but she did. And it was really funny. And I thought it would be funny. (laughs) Yeah. I think she was like, this will be funny. And so there are actually three of these. This is its own sub series. There's a trilogy. And like I said, I've only seen the first one because that was so fucking bad <laughs> that yeah, I, I remember I know I watched I rented it actually I definitely remember renting it for a blockbuster yeah and so they're so 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 bad um, essentially what they are are movie length cutscenes, but from mm-hmm. a game like Resident Evil 5 or Resident Evil 6 and I think that's worth mentioning because those games have the worst most cringy unbearable cutscenes possible but what you don't realize when you're playing those games is that you get to like stop and play a game when you actually just mainline 90 minutes of cutscenes it is like so fucking brutal dude like it really is unbearable and that's basically what these movies are what I think is interesting is that they also tried to tie them into the lore of the games, but this was an effort that mm-hmm. was started in 2008, which is once again, when the series were at their, was at its like lowest point in terms of aesthetics, story writing. And also when there were like no efforts made to like wrangle the lore or story of the series, I think now that the series is back on track and they're doing all these remakes, we're seeing a concerted effort to try to get the resident evil timeline and lore under control. You know, they haven't done anything as drastic as like what they did with star Wars, where they said, everything from the extended universe is now is no longer canon but that's kind of the vibe i'm getting from capcom is that they're doing these remakes to try and establish like a new timeline and a new canon uh and i think the resident evil 4 remake is going to be a really important piece of that when people are going to see like what they want the series to be you know um because i think Resident Evil 4 is going to be heavily rewritten in this new remake. Um, oh, it definitely looks that way, just based on like slight character redesigns and the tone of yep. that trailer and stuff. I, yeah, it's going to... We are. We talked about that already, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously speculation, but yeah, just the fact that like Leon talks about his feelings and like having PTSD in that minute-long trailer is like, okay, mm-hmm. so he's no longer going to be like yelling at a tiny Napoleon and trying to fuck his boss, which is like basically all he did in the original. (laughs) (laughs) 
Finnegan <laughs> isn't his boss. She's just his handler. Oh, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> his boss is the president. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. But then in six, the president is his best friend. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, sometimes your boss becomes your best friend, you know, and sometimes more. <laughs> this, that has not happened to me i would like to make it clear that has not happened to me mm, well then you ain't lived yet that's the other <laughs> real reason i lost my job no <laughs> i don't want to talk about that have you like looked at the covers for the cgi movies like side by side because you get to like you get this really fun like you get to watch the detail improve on like cgi fidelity and then also like the actual designs yeah because <laughs> leon is like i i don't know what the trends were really like you know in japan over the years of like the games but obviously each game kind of has like a pro tag and right. all the characters aren't always in all of them but every cgi movie he is like the main character right so he's like prominently featured on each cover and each time he looks a little different and they, but they, he always has the hair. Yeah. Well, it's but actually like, a it problem. Looks worse. Yeah. It looks worse for a different reason each time. Well, yeah. So it's actually a problem because yeah, as time goes on, they make him more square jawed, rugged and like quote unquote manly looking, but his hair gets bigger and more Karen-y and like, yeah, by the time you get to the last one, which we will talk about, and it's actually not in this series, by the time you get to the last one of these CGI things, he looks so fucking dumb because he's got this like psychotic, unrealistic square jaw and then this giant poofy uh, like Karen haircut. It looks like he's about to ask for the manager and then like shoot them executioner style in the head. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Um but yeah, well, like, so I've seen the first one of these Resident Evil Degeneration and I've watched clips of the other two, which are called Damnation and Vendetta. Um, these movies are absolutely fucking terrible. So like I said, they're even though they span like an entire decade, right? Like Degeneration came out in 2008, but then the other two came out in 2012 and 2017, respectively. They all have that Resident Evil 5 and 6 feel, meaning that they're terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they look like shit. Uh, there's nothing interesting that happens in any of them. Like nope. that is, I mean, from a critical perspective, the reason that I haven't done like a deep dive on any of these movies is cause like, there's literally nothing to say. It's like, if you yeah. go on YouTube and watch all of the cutscenes from Resident Evil five or Resident Evil six in a row, I mean, even Resident Evil six, I think has better cutscenes cause they're so absurd in these movies. Like, they do make them a little bit more grounded and they're trying to be this like nineties style action thriller thing. But like, Holy God, they're so poorly written. They're so poorly acted. They're so fucking boring. Like I just don't get who on earth was looking at resident evil and was like, my favorite part was the military thriller parts. Cause that's oh, all man. these movies are. It's just that yeah. like mainlined. I'm glad that we've like slowly gotten away from that within the games because goddamn that shit gets old really quick. Which yeah. will come up later. But uh Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's nothing of consequence in any of those movies because they're they're not like trying to even plug in any gaps. They're literally just like, well, it needs to be canonical, quote unquote. 
but we can't have the games dependent on these. So they need to be self-contained. Right. And like there, there's zero reason to watch them. I don't know why you would watch them, honestly. Yeah. Well, the pitch, you know, the pitch to fans here is that each movie is set in between certain games. So the first one is between four and five. The second one is between five and six. And then the third one is between six and seven. So, you know, each game starts and there is like a time jump. There are things missing. Like these games, you know, before the gap between seven and eight, there hasn't been one where they just kind of like, you know, have a game start where the previous one left off that hasn't been the resident evil style so you know they some enterprising human who should be severely punished uh decided (laughs) decided that you know they should plug these movies or put something in between the games but unfortunately what they made was like the worst possible thing it's like boring military thriller action movies and like I think watching these, you you really realize what makes real action movies work, and none of those things are present in these movies, nope. right? Like, the action doesn't look cool, the story isn't interesting, the characters are bland and boring, and once again, it really shows why if you just make a strict adaptation of a Resident Evil game... Uh, you know, in this style, why it would never work, right? Because the other thing is that the stories and the cutscenes and everything that are in Resident Evil games are structured around gameplay. So even if you play Resident Evil 6, like those cutscenes are bad, but they're also structured around gameplay. And if you're playing it the way we played it, you're always with another person roasting the cutscenes, laughing at them, and just like having a good time and then getting to jump back into doing something actually fun, which is playing the game. Watching this movie, there's something incredibly depressing about it because you know that you're never going to get to play a game. (laughs) You're just stuck watching a terrible movie. In my case alone, it was like the worst possible scenario to watch this movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm probably never going to watch the other two. That's fine. Yeah. Though I am a little upset that you implied there's nothing cool looking about two guys shooting at each other's feet and running in a circle. Yeah, well, or I should say they're both on the ground prone. And then as they're getting up and running in a circle, they are shooting at each other the entire time. (laughs) True. The bullets never run out Uh and they just they go from prone to running seamlessly in a circle. Yeah. Like like they're hooked up to a a military like G-Force testing machine. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. It's dumb as fuck, <laughs> but it's super cool. I think, uh, yeah, it's like some Benny Hill shit. I may have been more into it if they had had the Benny Hill music playing. I mean, know. if you make a YouTube video where it's that, I'll watch it yeah. and share it and hit like. <laughs> like and subscribe, gamers. But I think, okay, so the most improbable thing about these CGI movies, like they've kind of just always existed in the margins for either you know people who have no taste to go watch and talk about how they're good or gamers who hate themselves enough to watch them to watch them the crazy thing is that they made a fucking another one in 2021 and netflix released it it's called infinite darkness and so i got tricked into watching this pile of horse shit because it was like 
So at the same time, Netflix uh. Netflix said we're working on a live action Resident Evil thing and a CGI thing, and then someone else said, you know, Sony or whoever said, hey, we're making a movie, a live action movie of Resident Evil, and I got really confused, and so when this came out, I thought, oh, this must be that TV show that they're hyping up, mm-hmm. and so I watched the first episode of it. Now, let's get a couple things clear here. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, streaming now on Netflix, released in 2021, is not a TV show. It nope. is a terrible hour-long movie that's split into four insufferable parts. The fact that it is shorter than the other films and split into four parts does not improve it at all. I guess maybe it does in the sense that it gives you an easy place to turn it off, which is like the first time they roll credits, you should just stop watching it. Oh, I stopped before I hit credits on the first episode. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so I clearly hate myself more than you because I actually watched two Mm -hmm. episodes of this. No, I gave up. I was like, uh uh-uh. Yeah. So I watched two full episodes of this horseshit. And here's what's crazy. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness is actually worse, I think, than like the one full film degeneration that I watched. Um, It's probably worse. The other thing is that it is clearly like in the lineage of these CGI movies. Like it's clearly the fourth one, but instead of making something that like follows the storyline or tries to like insinuate itself into the like lore, like the other movies did, they just decided to make a different movie set between Resident Evil four and five and basically still claim that it's canon, even though they already did this with Resident Evil degeneration. Um, So that's the first thing that I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? But then what they actually decided to do with this show is to make something that's even more strictly a military thriller. And the way that they've done this is by making up a fake country called Panamstan. (laughs) Side note, like... Which sounds like a botch song title and not like a fucking real nation of any kind anywhere. Exactly. And my favorite thing is that like, so you watch the opening and it's very clearly supposed to be like Black Hawk Down. Oh God, dude. That was like, I almost was like, I'm I'm about to turn this off. I'm going to do it. The only reason I made it through it the first time was because I was so confused. (laughs) I actually was like, did we click play on the wrong thing? Cause it's yeah. Yeah. And I spent the whole intro being like, is that Chris <laughs> the whole time? And then like, even when I was like finally done with it and I turned it off and I like went to look at the cast, I was like, that's not Chris. That's just a dude. Yeah. The His hero. You of- like never hear. Yeah. They never even say the guy's name. They just keep being like, is that the guy that everyone calls the hero of Panam stand? They just like, keep calling him the hero of Panam stand. I was like, this feels like a JRPG from 2006. Yeah. No. Like it is that that yeah. tier of of writing, of voice acting, sometimes of visuals, I think. It looks like shit. Yeah. Like it's just so weird that that happened i'm starting to wonder if it actually just came out in japan like five years ago and netflix was like well we need something we need something for clicks let's just localize this real fast yeah i mean it's definitely a newer thing but i do think that's what happened i mean 
So I guess here's a little diversion for you. Netflix, for some reason, like they started this anime division, quote unquote. So like even this, yeah. the, the intro says like a Netflix anime production or something. And their big idea here was to just scoop up cheaply made CGI anime. Uh, I'm really, really not a fan of that style. Um nope that visual style the like cgi anime style but this one is even weirder because like most of those cgi animes have a consistent look where like the character design is clearly like hand-drawn anime but then the show itself is animated in 3d this one is not this is a basically video game cutscene style thing where it's realistic looking you know quote-unquote realistic looking uh cg characters so yeah this is definitely in line with their mo but also not like the other things that they've released under their anime division but it is terrible like the other stuff they've released so yeah that's just their like their their japanese show publishing wing essentially yeah yeah but they've like yeah i don't think they've made any of that's anything they have maybe they have actually paid to produce one or two things but yeah, yeah everything's just like they localize it and it's like instead of Funimation bringing it over they bring it over the I guess they just got all the Resident Evil like stuff yeah like yeah. they just they they bought like a bundle they just got like an IP bundle for Resident Evil and they were like well I guess we'll localize it yeah they they definitely did but yeah I, I've just noticed that from trying a couple series and just not even getting a full episode in um back when they first started releasing a bunch of this shit i know that they have a major mm-hmm. hard on for these cgi anime series like localizing them and publishing them and i think it must be just because it's cheap to do yeah it's got to be yeah it's got to be that but anyway with with this um this new resident evil thing i don't even know if i've actually said the name it's yeah oh i did it's infinite darkness um yeah, you this, just forgot already because it's I such already, a dumb fucking name. Yeah, it's so fucking bad. Everything about it is so bad, but that intro really sums up everything that is horrible about it because it's basically like Black Hawk Down in a made-up country that they can't even decide like where it's supposed to be because like usually when, when somebody like makes up a country, they still have a general idea of like, okay, it's supposed to be in Eastern Europe or it's supposed to be in East Africa or it's supposed to be in like West Asia or something. Panamstan is like the funniest <laughs> slash worst made up country ever because it's like the name is Panamstan and they use the same like um, like conjugation and uh, like linguistic conventions as some place like Pakistan or Afghanistan. The people look vaguely mid- Middle Eastern, but then like when they talk, their language is like almost sounds more like Spanish or something. And it's just so fucking bad. They also clearly portray them as like these weird, like unhinged savages, quote unquote, mm-hmm. even before they're infected by a virus, which was kind of a criticism that was leveled at Resident Evil 4. Well, if you thought that was bad, get ready for Infinite Darkness 2021. It's way fucking worse. It's like, it's bad. The optics are bad. Let's just say that. Yeah, I just don't know why in Japan they're still into doing the story. The like (laughs) like the heroic American spec ops thing. Yeah. You know, like still portraying America that way, which is crazy. Like, why would you portray America that way? Like, what benefit do you get out of it? 
There right. can't be like that many American history, like reenactor buff people in Japan that it's like worth doing. I, yeah, I, I just don't know. It's like I, I didn't I think I didn't even make it 20 minutes into the episode. Like yeah, literally the third or fourth time. I think it was literally right after. Like. Because it's Claire, it's Claire and Leon, right? Like they bump, they bump into each other. Of course, <laughs> they like they have they clearly haven't spoken to each other in years or whatever, and they just bump into each other in like a random country. Yeah, and like he's with the guy that looks like Chris, uh-huh. but isn't Chris? And she's just like, "Is that the guy they call the hero of the Namstay?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'm done with this. I can't." Yeah. Like, well, there's been too much, too much racist shit already, and then like they still haven't said this dude's name. They yeah. just say this over and over, and I'm like, "He's murdering brown people. He's not a hero. Why did someone make this in the year of our Lord 2022?" Yeah, it it's very confusing and it's very bad, but. I think moving beyond those issues, which are like the things that just immediately smack you in the face, it has more issues. And like I said, I watched about an hour of this garbage so I can speak with a little bit more authority. But I mean, the first episode, if you keep going further with it, it still reveals more problems. A big problem here, once again, is that they've tried to insert it into the game's timeline. But then like, I don't know, it kind of fucks with what happens in the actual games because like the way that they set up the meeting between or like, I guess the reunion between Leon and the president is very similar to how they set it up in Resident Evil six. So it's kind of like, and even like the whole series, there's like a, a section, a segment of the first episode where the white house gets attacked by zombies. That's probably the only actual funny thing that happens is someone goes like zombies in the white house. That was pretty good. I got it. Oh, good. yeah. I forgot all about that. Or it's like half of them don't even know what they are. Yes, they've never but seen But then them. Leon shows up and it's just like they're zombies and everyone's like zombies. And <laughs> then like they fall in line. No problem. Yeah. The only good thing in that whole thing was when the president is talking to Leon and he's just like, I'm so thankful for what you did for my daughter. And I'm like, well, that's cool. At least there's like a few threads connecting this like my best friend the president thing <laughs> yeah for sure like that may- maybe after watching that i'm like you know i guess i get why he was so afraid to kill the now infected president in resident evil 6 is because <laughs> they're best friends which is the other thing like is this show a prequel was the show actually made forever ago and just took forever to get here because like he kills the president in resident evil 6 yeah for sure. So I don't know, but it's like, that was cute. And I was like, well, I guess they are friends. <laughs> but that whole sequence where the zombies invade the white house is so fucking bad. And it's where you see that, like, despite the fact that the characters in this show have a lot more detail in things like their faces and their, the textures used and things like that, the way they move looks straight out of the PS2 era. They're super janky yeah. and awkward looking. The action scenes go for this John Wick thing where everyone is just like a superhuman that can fire behind their back and like headshot mm-hmm. dudes and shit, but it looks mm-hmm. so fucking dumb. They're obsessed with clicking their flashlights really fast, which like, I don't know. If that, that was, I don't understand what that was. Yeah, like, and you know, I'm no tactical combat expert but I I feel like I usually know enough to be like I know why they're doing the thing they're doing in this scene 
I've never come across anything where someone's like, no, you just you strobe your flashlight so they don't know that you're coming. Dude, I don't think I'm like, look, like if your flashlight's on and they see it, they know you're coming. If you strobe it, they're still going to know you're coming. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't know what this is for, really, other than you don't want them to know exactly where you're at, I guess. But it's like there's like like constantly it's insane and i don't know i i i just thought we were done i thought after resident evil 8 we were done yeah i thought they were like no we found what works we're no longer gonna like stoop to this level but i guess they're stooping to that level yeah exactly it that that is the exactly the feeling and the second episode is even worse um it's far more boring actually without like anything to set up the show really stalls um claire is just like Jill in um, the Anderson movies. Claire is just like a side character here. She doesn't do anything. She's a glorified sidekick, which is insane because in the original game that she appears in, she's a badass. She's repeatedly portrayed as a badass. And yet for some reason uh, here, she just like sits in her hotel room and reads files and calls people. That's basically it. Um, There's more attempts at, janky John Wick style action scenes but they're really really bad they look like shit there's more attempts at shocking twists quote unquote but they come out of nowhere and they make no sense because Leon is basically put in a little mini cast with uh, the hero of Panam Stan a lady whose name I like did not catch and a bunch of oh right and then a bunch of random people who work on this submarine they're in it's fucking awful Uh, Patrick Wilson Graham and Ryan (laughs) yeah exactly that's one person's name Uh, it's so fucking boring and that's the thing the thing with all these CGI movies is that they're boring they really misunderstand what is good or entertaining about Resident Evil and uh, yeah they're just they're bad like there's literally nothing redeeming about these there's no reason why you would spend your time watching these they're fucking awful they're not even like that funny I think Resident Evil Degeneration is probably like the funniest one and it's not even that funny like I think maybe if you're watching it with a bunch of people and you're all really fucked up you might be having some chuckles but it's more the kind of movie that you would just sort of slowly stop paying attention to. Like it definitely would not hold your attention enough, even if you were kind of hate watching it or watching it because you thought it was funny. Uh, you will probably just end up talking about other shit. Or if you're alone, you'll just end up looking at your phone. Cause like this shit sucks, dude. It's so fucking bad. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, why don't you use this opportunity to sell everyone on the live action Resident Evil television show? Why should they watch that? And why shouldn't this show have ever been made? Exactly. Well, okay. so here's the thing is that now in 2022, we've actually gotten two live action Resident Evil properties. I've really enjoyed both of them. I think they're both way better than anything that came before and that includes the anderson movies that definitely includes the cgi movies and the reason i really don't get the hate for these two properties is that once again these cgi things exist if you motherfuckers want to say that this shit is bad you need to at least 
at least acknowledge that it is a huge step up from this absolutely like just horrifyingly bad cgi shit right but so the first one is obviously the movie resident evil welcome to raccoon city uh monica and i did a whole episode on it i still highly recommend that movie i think it's really really good and the thing about it that really impressed me is that they managed to not make something that fits into the series lore but make something that kind of remixes it slightly once again very slightly so that everything is kind of happening on one night that's basically the premise of the movie is that resident evil one and two are happening simultaneously on the same night they move things around a little bit to make it work and i think they did a really good job uh really good directing acting um just a lot of likable characters a very visually appealing movie they nail that late 90s uh sort of dark uh americana aesthetic super super well i'm a big fan you can go listen to that episode if you want to hear me and monica talk about the whole thing it was a really fun movie but They also had this Resident Evil live action TV show lined up and that released recently and everybody just immediately like they just could not wait to open up Twitter or whatever and just dump all over it and say how fucking terrible it was, say how bad it was, talk about how shit it is. And so I went into it expecting it to be really fucking bad because once again, I've seen this CG shit. I've seen bits and pieces of the CG shit. I've seen most of the Anderson movies. I kind of know what to expect, but instead what I found is a TV show that I found to be very fucking enjoyable. I think it's actually a good TV show. And in the, in the context of like resident evil adaptations is basically a fucking masterpiece. Honestly, like when you put it in context, I think for the sake of argument, we probably shouldn't, um, like <laughs> compare them to other resident evil things. Cause I think like, It is. Yeah, like it's great in comparison to most of that stuff. And I like try to assume when people want to shit on anything Resident Evil. That's like not the video games, like other media, they're doing so from like a like a global film and television perspective and not a like what we have in the franchise. I would have to anyway, because it's like you can't be mad at this for not being amazing if you're basing all of your arguments off of like the whole franchise, you know, like I like I think it would just be like my head would explode if people were trying to be like. No, I came into this because I always watch all Resident Evil media expecting it to be great like that would boggle my mind. So I always just assume people are talking about like general art critique and not within the franchise but you know that's not the case gamers don't do art critique yeah i mean it depends on who you're talking to you know i'm i'm willing to say right now i'll bet dollars to donuts that a lot of these people shitting on it are not doing art critique they're just like it's bad game good and like i do think you need to compare it to the other resident evil adaptations because at least some of those anderson movies have been like pretty well received at least some of this shit has been pretty well received (laughs) and it's specifically within the resident evil fandom so it's like if you motherfuckers are gonna at least say that that stuff is like okay and like you're gonna shit all over this stuff you're fucking wrong for that and fuck you that's i also don't consider um like resident evil film 
fans to be like a category of human. Yeah. <laughs> like if I see you, if I see you rolling around town in any vehicle with like the big umbrella corporation decal and it is literally from the movie, I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. There's a dude that lives here that has like an umbrella mobile, but it's like, <laughs> it's like a 2004 Chevy Trailblazer. Yeah. Which is a like midsize SUV that's like got a bunch of plastic junk all over it that just looks really ugly and is yeah. a piece of shit. And it was like kind of beat up. And then he had like, it was like the poor people version, like the white trash version of like all the Jeep Wranglers you see that are quote unquote zombie response vehicles. Oh, yeah, yeah. With like an axe strapped to the top of it or whatever. Yeah. But it was just like a shitty like mom SUV with a bunch of umbrella stickers on it. Hell yeah, dude. And I was like, that dude is like the worst person you'll ever meet in your life. He owns exactly 700 Funko Pops. Yeah, dude, the drip don't stop. That's what, that's all I'm hearing. All I'm hearing <laughs> you is... You don't like, drip, you drown, you know? Yeah, dude, that faucet broke, baby, because that shit is dripping, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I get frustrated in both regards, right? Because like I think these newer Resident Evil live-action things are good in and of themselves, but I also think that they're good in relation to the franchise. And I think you do need to look at it from both angles because like from both angles, not angles. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. And, uh, you need to look at it from both angles because if something is made as an adaptation, it is targeting people who like the thing and you'll see them put in references and you'll see them put in things that are meant to be nods to the series so that if people are familiar They'll get it and they'll have that sense of enjoyment. And I said that to Monica, like when we were watching the movie after the first 30 minutes, I was like, there were just like a hundred like subtle references to the games that they just crammed into this movie. And I thought it was cute. Like they did it in a good way. Yeah. None of it was forced. Monica was like, oh, I didn't even notice. And I was like, yeah, like I'm actually really enjoying this because there's all these like little references and subtle nods and things. And so like, you do have to look at it from both angles. Like I said, I think Welcome to Raccoon City is the best case scenario for a Resident Evil adaptation. I don't think we're going to get anything better than that personally. And I think it was really good. But with a TV show, it's frustrating to me because the TV show is basically, and I said this last episode, it's basically another stab at what the Anderson movies were trying to do originally, which is... They are a sci-fi horror property that is loosely based on the world of Resident Evil that doesn't try to incorporate the lore and story of the games, but rather do something original. Now, there is a quote going around from the creator of the show who said that their goal was to have the game sort of be like the backstory of the show and that this is something new and different. They kind of achieve that. I think that's a little bit of bullshit and that's something that they maybe just should have never said publicly because I think it probably biased some people against the show and it doesn't really like matter in the context of the show. Technically that could be true, but it just really doesn't matter. Like what matters is that the show is its own unique thing that is set in a world where they have umbrella, they have the T virus, they have, you know, eventually they have zombies and blah, blah, blah. But 
What's cool about it is that they totally recontextualize the story and give you a different set of characters who are more relatable and more likable and also have a more succinct timeline and backstory. Because like the premise of the show is that Wesker has two daughters. They're two twin daughters, although they don't look alike. And they, you basically see their story in two timelines. You see their story in the apocalyptic or the post-apocalyptic future where everything is fucked up and the world is overrun by zombies. And you see their story leading up to the initial outbreak. So they show you what happened beforehand. They show you kind of the initial outbreak. And then you kind of see the flash forward future consequences of everything that happened. It's very cool, in my opinion, because it is two timelines that are not commonly shown within the games. It's definitely something that like the Anderson movies were very fixated on. Like you saw the backstory and then you saw way too much of the post apocalypse. But it's something that's not really in the games. The world that they've created is super, super unique because they're showing you two time periods and timelines that don't exist in the games. They got they get to like do their own thing with it. So like the pre I almost said pre-pandemic. I guess that makes sense. The like pre-pandemic stuff is set in a world where Umbrella is just like a shitty pharmaceutical megacorp that has like a company town in South Africa. The post-apocalyptic stuff is set in this very cool like Mad Max meets Children of Men world that's very colorful and weird and they get to do a lot of cool like post-apocalyptic sci-fi stuff with it. Um and yeah, they generally just get to do their own thing. And that's why I ended up liking it so much. Because I also think it's just a competently made, entertaining TV show. Uh, and like I said, if you're a fan of sci-fi horror, if you're a fan of that kind of modern like PS4 style zombie stories, like it reminded me a lot of Dying Light or Days Gone. Like, I think it's an entertaining show. So I don't really get the backlash and I don't get why people hate it so much. I mean, you watched the first couple episodes, right? I did. Well, what, what did let, you me, think? let me give you my timeline of events here. Okay. I said like when I was at the tattoo shop, like I guess the other guy that was there that was just kind of doing odd stuff because it was so early, like had it on their TV and he was watching it like okay. on the side and like because I, I and I didn't realize it had come out. So I like I saw it for two seconds and it was in my brain. So the other day I was like, okay, I'll, I'm like, I got nothing to do. I'll just put it on and see what happens. Right. I turned it off after 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. I was just like, I can't, I can't anymore, and I gave up. And then you were like, no, it's good. I swear, it's good. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch it. Finish that episode, and then I was like. Okay, I'll watch another episode. And now I'm like, okay, I think I'll watch this whole thing. Eventually, I'll finish it. Right. And the problem that I have, though, and this is like this wraps into my whole thing where people used to be like, oh, no, this JRPG takes five hours to get good. You just got to give it time. Like, I don't want to give it time, brother. I don't want to give it five hours. That's a lot of time. Right. And so when it's like a TV show, I'm like, well, a TV show or a movie like a movie should be able to like pull your attention in in like 10 minutes, assuming that the movie is an hour and a half long or whatever. Yeah. A TV show ostensibly, especially when that's only eight episodes should be able to at least do a little bit of that in 20 minutes. And it didn't really do that in the first 20 minutes. 
like the tone and, and when I say the tone shifts dramatically, I don't mean because you're flipping from time periods. I mean, within it can be within what is proposed to be a single scene, right? Like it's it just felt so all over the place. It felt like it had five different directors and like it almost felt like it had three clones of each actor and each one of them was like a different brain on the inside. It just <laughs> felt so weird and disjointed. And like so I'm I'm assuming some things get better later and that's kind of this whole thing is that you kind of have to stay with the ride the whole way through to kind of see everything. But like even the the post-apocalyptic stuff, like all of that looked so just like normal to me. It looked like every movie or show I've ever seen with a setting like that, with the exception of the giant like neon colored uh, cat- caterpillar, maybe. I'm not right. sure what it was. Like, that's at least like a nod that, oh, this will go somewhere, maybe, because they're doing the like T virus makes everything big and weird thing instead of just doing the T virus makes zombies or whatever. Right. So, like, I get that maybe it'll go somewhere eventually, but like, all that stuff just looked so normal to me. I was like, I've seen this a million times. None of this is exciting. And like, I still have not come around on the the old version of Jade yet. Cause like her acting keeps shifting tones. And I like, I'm just like, I don't like this character. Hmm. Like, why does she still act like she's 14? That's very weird. Like, it feels like maybe they cast the kids first and then like the adult actors were like, oh, we need to like act like them. Yeah. And not maybe the other way around. But I, I, you know, maybe that all, that all quells later, but it's like, I guess my point is like, it's, it's kind of a struggle to sit with it. Like without the promise that it gets good. Like I, like if you had not told me to watch it, I wouldn't have started it back up. Like it's so rough in that first 20 minutes. And I, I have no problem with teen drama because I watched all five Twilight movies. But like it's like it's the teen drama doesn't even know what it's doing. It just shifts its tone every two seconds. And I'm like, eh. not every teen says like, you know what? Fuck them every single time something goes wrong. Yeah, well, here's the thing. The thing is that the first 20 minutes of the show are the worst part of the show. And I do. I mean, yeah, it's true. I think that I can kind of see what happened now that I've watched the whole show. And what I think happened is that they created this whole world that is actually very cool. And they created the structure for the show, which, like you mentioned, it jumps back and forth like every scene between future and past. And they created those ideas and they decided to strictly stick with them for the entire show from the beginning. And that was actually a huge mistake. I mean, in retrospect, I think it's really cool, but in terms of getting people into the show, it does mean that, yeah, the first episode is the weakest episode. The first 20 minutes are the weakest part of the show. And it's very hard to get people into the show. Like they really needed something to establish these characters because yeah okay so the way that we're introduced to so the main the main character of the show her name is jade wesker right so she's one of the twin sisters uh the way that we're introduced to her in the future she's just like 
surveying some zombies like she's doing some kind of research and she's like acting like a total dumbass and almost gets herself killed and it raises all these questions like why is she researching zombies why is she so stupid um like all these questions are raised and you're just like man this sucks and then you jump to her as a teenager with her sister and her dad wesker who's played by lance reddick who's the man and he's really good in this and his performance just gets Mm -hmm. better and more unhinged the longer the show goes on there's a giant twist in the second to last episode that lets him just go fully off the rails that i fucking love so 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 much and i'm not going to spoil it because i legitimately think people should actually give the show a chance and watch it but he's kind of like one of the only reasons besides you that i was able to like keep going yeah it's like he does he does do really well he rots in this show yeah he rocks but so the way that they introduce so okay sorry so they flash back we're seeing them as teenagers and the way that they introduce them as teenagers is jade being like super over the top annoying edgy teen and then her sister being this like weird overstyled like billy eilish clone and it's very weird and bad and it doesn't make sense but once they actually like put them into school and the story starts rolling that storyline is really really good and it eventually turns into this kind of conspiracy thing because they get wrapped up with like what their dad is doing at umbrella there's some hints that like he has some weird connection to them like you see him injecting their blood in the first episode um so like there is a cool like mystery storyline in that time period i think the actresses who play the twin sisters are both very very good the the actress who plays jade was in the are you afraid of the dark reboot uh which was really really Mm -hmm. great um she did a great job in that um i think she it was either are you afraid of the dark or uh fuck i'm getting them confused because there's an are you afraid of the dark reboot and a fear street reboot she was maybe in fear street i can't remember anyway she's really good she does a really great job the teen storyline like gets going and a lot of the weird cringy stuff basically gets dropped it definitely feels like a cw drama it's corny it's over the top there's a really funny party scene that everyone can enjoy uh for many reasons there's skateboard tricks i don't know it's like it's goofy in some ways in a lot of ways and it's very lightweight but it's also like very entertaining and i think it's really well done and the things that need to be well done um are and i think once again that really sets it apart from like a bad tv show (laughs) as opposed to something that's just like a kind of silly entertaining tv show which is how i would classify this but yeah there were definitely some choices like the future world gets really cool in like the second and third episode especially like the first time she goes into a town and you get kind of that children of men maybe a little bit of um what's it called the last of us sort of vibe with like you know umbrella kind of being this like fascist corporation and yeah, pe- even there it just felt like uh, like generic i guess for lack of a better term like it didn't seem it just seemed like what would happen kind of like when she finally gets to that lady's apartment and you have that whole scene unfold that was that's where i was like okay this show is like stupid goofy fun or yeah whatever. like it is but it, like up until that point it's just like okay hearing the phrase furry porn is very funny Right. To me, but like 
it reads as how do you do fellow kids yeah like because the thing is if you wanted to do a real one of those you would have done like you would have done the like what are you doing step bro thing it would have been more (laughs) subtle than just saying the phrase furry porn out loud yeah so like it reads weird and i think some of the like no this is supposed to be kind of goofy and fun is accidental yeah so i think it's 50 percent like no we intentionally made this and 50 percent like no we were trying to be real and earnest and we flopped but it's funny I don't know. So, which is fine. Like that's that is also fine. Yeah. Like, both of those can coexist for me, so I don't think that's a reason to like not watch it. It's just that like you yeah, you got to you got to sit with it and like meet it kind of not even at its own terms, but like the terms the show made for itself like it's a sentient AI, you know. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, a lot of those shitty parts of the show get dropped really early on. So like, I don't know, it, it just, it gets really good. And once again, it's, it's not like, like I said in the last episode, it's not like you're sitting down and like, you're going to watch something like mind hunter. You're not going to see yeah. this, this perfect, amazing show. It's just like, do you want something that's funny? That's goofy. That's lightweight. And it also is kind of an interesting take on a resident evil piece of media, right? Like a piece of resident evil media and that's why i said it's interesting or that's why i said it's important to talk about these things relative to like their inspiration because as much as people say that they want you know this or that you kind of have to look at like okay what are we getting that's actually good what are we getting that's actually interesting that's fun to watch and i think this is interesting and fun to watch i think it's an interesting take once again it's not the first time it's been done i think it is very much in line with the first Anderson movie, but it's also just very fun and entertaining. Like I said, I think the characters are likable and interesting. Uh, there's some good like drama there. The fact that you get like this amazing performance from Lance Reddick that just keeps going further and further off the rails is fantastic. I don't know. I, I think it's a very enjoyable show. Uh, I think even given how kind of bad the first episode is relative to the rest of the series i don't think it warranted all the hate that people were dumping on it like i think a lot of people literally watched the opening scene and were just like this is dumb and this isn't resident evil so fuck it and it's like once again this is always going to bother me because you're in a franchise that has shit like resident evil 5 and resident evil 6 like you played the intros of those games and somehow stuck with it or like you watched any of this cgi shit and you weren't just like absolutely losing your mind the biggest bummer to me is that people shitting on it so hard means that they're probably not going to make any more despite the fact that it had good numbers because because netflix loves to like cancel shit um and it ends not really on a cliffhanger but it ends with like a promise of a lot more show basically and uh that's just not gonna fucking happen which is a huge (laughs) bummer because it's like once again if resident evil fans maybe it's just gamers in general they're so fucking frustrating because it's like if you give them a thing that treats the source material as the bible they hate it if you give them a thing that's like a bold reinvention of the source material they hate it like what can you think of an adaptation that like gamers have actually liked and supported i i can't think of one we should have given me that as like a homework prompt because it's going to be hard for me to just think of one off the top of my head yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I didn't plan this. I'm just like thinking it's about. It's gonna it. be one of those. It's gotta be one of those things that's like it's barely a video game. You know, you know, like it can't be like the Sonic movie. Like, of course, it's not that. It, right. I mean, D- Detective Pikachu, I think, was like. Like, if anyone ever says a con word to me about that movie, I'll I'll redacted them. Like, sure. That movie is so fucking good. But it's, like, I, yeah. If you, like, grew up with that, if you are my age and you grew up with it, like, you waited your whole life for that movie. For exactly yeah. that experience. Yeah. So that's, like, the when I have to think of, like, a video game, like, a live-action video game thing. That's usually what I go to. Yeah. Because I watched that movie like a dozen times. I love it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's maybe a good example of what happens to like decent video game movies. Because like, you know, there's a Doom movie starring The Rock that... <laughs> yeah, is, there is. It's it's decent. Like a lot of people like it. Nah, I, dude, it's not. <laughs> no, like in terms of being entertaining, like it was a big deal when it came out because it was so much better than like like the hitman movie have you seen that? i guess but i like i tried to rewatch it not too long ago and i was like this is not good well of course like, it's, not it's got the rock and carl urban in it and that's it like the sets look shitty the premise is pretty mid to bad it's got almost nothing to do with the games it just has that like the first person scene which was cool at the time yeah i mean i'm just trying to think of like you know in the past i guess like detective pikachu seems like people liked it but i actually i saw something interesting the other day that was like i think it was just like a meme or something or like a tweet or just something dumb but someone was like people will really pretend like they didn't make this like really good live action pokemon movie and it's yeah. just like the discourse immediately just returned to, oh, I can't wait until they make a live action adaptation of the first Pokemon anime movie or something. It's like, what the fuck? What is wrong with yeah. you people? But like, you know, that's kind of, I mean, with like Mortal Kombat, I mean, obviously that's more of like a kind of a funny, bad, good type of movie. But then I like, mean, I'd say the first Mortal Kombat is a pretty competent, like 90s action movie. That, yeah. With, like that, a little with a little darkness on it. Like, I think it's good i like it yeah but like it's it's reward was to be like reinvented as this like terrible new mortal Kombat movie that came out last year uh, i thought the new one was kind of okay too really <laughs> yeah i was all right i watched like part of it and i was like this sucks i don't know i just watched I, the whole thing yeah i was maybe just not in the mood but like i don't know i just i just feel like i don't know i'm looking at all these video game movies and like you know video game movies have this rap as being like the worst movies ever and I don't really think that's true. I think a lot of them are just kind of like mediocre and then fans either elevate them to being like yeah. weirdly beloved or just like weirdly hated. I mean, that's like the Silent Hill movie. The first Silent Hill movie is, I think, a great example of that where like that is the best Silent Hill adaptation you're going to get. I'm sorry, gamers, like given everything about the series, given, you know, everything that's probably the best you're going to get. And I mean, I say if you edit out all the Sean Bean stuff where it's like just him, like after she's gone to Silent Hill and he's like by himself, like if you take all those scenes out, which weren't even supposed to be there originally, you shorten the movie a little bit, which is good because it kind of runs a little longer than it should. And like it's more co- cohesive. And like I, I'd say it's an eight out of ten if you take that shit out of it. 
I mean, it's a pretty good movie, dude. I think it's a nine, even with that shit. I love the Silent Hill movie. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I, I mean, too. It's I great. think it's I great, think it's but that's stellar movie. That's what I mean, though. It's like I just don't understand why it's like people will just shit on these things that are actually good. And it, is it because like they can't just put themselves in like normal movie watching mode and just say, "Oh, this is like." fun to watch this is entertaining this is good like they have to go into like gamer mode and be like oh well they didn't do this right and they didn't do this right and blah blah because like is that what it is because like i don't know i feel like when you look at a lot of this shit from the 90s and 2000s there's a lot of movies that were based on stuff that maybe didn't have like a super intense fandom like the tomb raider movie is like a good example mm-hmm. where like you know once again just a competent 90s action adventure movie um I guess people feel that way about that Prince of Persia movie. I've never seen that. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it because it's a white guy playing I mean, a Persian man. I just don't fucking care. Literally couldn't <laughs> literally couldn't pay me to care. But it's like I mean, that's just well, that's like the 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 commitment to like the the franchise like was like that little. Yeah. That they were like, Jake Gyllenhaal is the Prince of Persia. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> well, and like, I think the thing too is like, there are some legitimately really bad video game movies. And when you go and watch them, they're bad not because they're not faithful or they don't care. Yeah, no, like, they're just they're dog just, shit. Dude, like the last one I tried to watch that truly blew my mind was that we watched part of the the Hitman movie that stars Timothy Oliphant. Mostly just because, like, what the fuck? You know, like, I really just wanted to see what that oh. was. I thought, um, I thought the hitman was, uh, what's his face from, um, god damn it, was it Billy Zane? I thought no. Billy Zane was, was Agent 47 in the Hitman movie it's for some reason. Timothy Oliphant in a really bad bald cap that like totally changes <laughs> this. Sh- so like I've kind of been like weirdly obsessed with like bald caps now because I found out that in the new season of Stranger Things, um, Millie Bobby Brown didn't shave her head. It's just like a super well done like bald cap with a with like short hair on it. Um, and I saw like a video about it and I was like, what the fuck? And I started like kind of looking at like bald caps and like how it's changed over time. And like, yeah, so bald caps sometimes used to be really fucking bad. And the one that they gave Timothy Oliphant in the Hitman movie that he's in is like criminal. It makes him look like a fucking cone head and it, he doesn't look like himself, but it was also just like such a poor casting choice because like Timothy yeah. Oliphant, I love him. I think he's great. He's really good in like fun action stuff. Like justified is like one of my favorite TV shows. It's so good. And like, he is super charismatic. Like he is just like oozing charisma constantly. So like, why would you cast him in the role of a man who is blank? (laughs) Like that's his whole thing is that he's totally blank and can fit in anywhere. And like, the scenes in the movie where they do the thing where he blends into a crowd, like in the video game are so funny. Cause it's like, he does not blend in dude. It's a fucking cone head who looks like Timothy Oliphant kind of <laughs> what the fuck? Like you can spot that guy from yeah. two miles away, but like that movie <laughs> is, we actually watched maybe 30 minutes of it. And then we actually turned it off. Cause it's like, this isn't even funny, bad anymore. It's just bad. And like, yeah. So like, to me, that's a bad video game movie because it's fucking bad. And that one, they actually tried to make a lot of references to the game and give it the feel of the game and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you skipped the step where you actually like made a good movie <laughs> and you just made this and it sucks. 
Well, that was. Mm-hmm. Was the Hitman movie a uh, what's his putts movie? The guy, the one guy that was always making no, video no, game no, movies. No, no, okay, no, no. no. Um, no, I just couldn't remember. It was made by real people. I don't. I, I really don't know mm-hmm. why. Uh, yeah, why it's, a weird it's so one. fucking bad. Um, I like. I always forget it comes out, and then when someone mentions it, I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen. Yeah, I don't. Nobody knows. I don't think anyone knows mm-hmm. why that movie is so bad. But it is. I mean, you can probably figure out why it's bad, but why it got made in the first place is a whole other mystery. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, how did how did that happen? But. I just like I have to say with this newer Resident Evil shit I thought the TV show was really fun to watch entertaining um, I thought the movie was like legitimately a really good movie it had a very similar vibe to the Silent Hill movie where it's like very faithful in certain ways but then also very open to making changes to make it work as a film and it's like I don't know if you're gonna watch these adaptations you have to expect that and I think that you have to be open to that because if you go in and you're like I want it to be like the video game you're gonna hate it and you're not gonna enjoy it because you know what you should do instead you should play the video game friend mm-hmm. like it's true just play play fucking play a video game like if you want to see something that truly like fails because you feel like you should be just playing a video game go watch those resident evil cgi movies they're putrid mm, they're truly yeah. unwatchable you know could do that i mean i wouldn't do that but you could do that as yeah. an option dude i would rather play says the, says the guy that's gonna buy a three dollar blu-ray collection of all the resident <laughs> evil live action movies to watch i don't know listen to me well and, and once again i think even those movies they don't fail eventually because they get away from the series of games and that they don't pay enough homage to the games they fail just because they run out of interesting ideas and they get really boring and they turn into super bog standard action movies like those later game or those later movies wouldn't have been better if they had incorporated more from the games like they would not have been improved in any appreciable way they just would have been different and just as shitty, I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the show, based on watching two episodes of it anyway, is. I, you know, I think it's gonna be good. I don't know for sure personally, um, but it's got. Like once I got past the hump that I needed to to like keep wanting to watch it, it it had already presented enough interesting plot developments and set up enough like mysteries and stuff that I want answered. Right. That I'm like happy to be along for the ride. Yeah. I still haven't hit a point where I'm like really invested in the future stuff at all. Because I think episode two ends somewhere around like she's trying to like get on a boat to go somewhere and Umbrella shows up. Oh. As they do. Yeah. Okay. The thing about Future World that they did that's really smart and I think this is what the creator of the show meant when he said that sort of misguided quote I mentioned earlier is that the Future World gets weirder and weirder and weirder the longer the show goes on. Like it gets really weird and crazy and I think the whole point of the Future World was that they could put whatever they wanted in it and so like the next couple areas they go to in future world just get weirder and weirder and like one of them has really big resident evil 8 vibes like the kind of dark gothic look and there's like a weird cult Mm -hmm. it's very very cool and i think that is actually the really smart thing about 
the the future world plotline is that if they want to incorporate something from a game that doesn't necessarily fit within the world that they created they can kind of just bullshit it in by saying like well it's like mad max and there's just like a weird kind of rogue colony that does this and it ends up being really cool so like the future world stuff turns into this kind of cursed road trip through all these weird places and it's very cool and i really really liked it i mean that's kind of a it's interesting that's what happens because i think we've talked before about how the t-virus is like a foil and how it's just you can be like well t-virus does anything right blank plus t-virus equals the thing you need so yes that works really well i don't know if that was intentional or not um maybe it was who can say but like they don't like the the opening is just so like Yep, it's a dystopian future where it's everything's rusted and this guy that um, cl- they probably have some way to kind of keep themselves clean, but this dude's just like, no, mate, what if I always look like this? <laughs> and he's going to try to, he's going to be greasy and weird and try to kill you or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then it does. And then he gets shot in the head. I'm like, okay, here we go, you know. Yeah. Like, I think it's the part where it's like, it is the future, but it's the future where umbrella still exists and there's still umbrella but worse somehow is like it, that's just not where my brain goes because like I can think of all the reasons why you wouldn't be able to just overthrow a global mega corporation in the present day but I think when it's the future and 7 billion people on the planet are now just zombies I think it might be kind of easier to just be like uh uh-uh, uh and then you just kill people but it's still like, no, it's the world exists solely because they're like the oppressor force, which is you know, fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, like plot choice, but it's like it's not she's not roaming a world full of giant multicolored caterpillar monsters just yet. She's going through a very atypical post-apocalyptic world where everyone's like mean. Yeah. And everything's shitty and dirty. And I'm like, this isn't as exciting as like the teens bust into the umbrella lab to do like animal testing rescue and like, Oh shit, it's the dog. Yeah. Like that was like, I was like, okay, here we go. Albert Wesker's injecting blood. The dogs here. It's just, this is great. I love this. And every time that ended, like I'd get a little piece of a mystery, something cool. And then we'd go back to the future. And yeah, it's just like, Oh man, she sure does have to talk to the smuggler guy to get out of the, yeah, I, I think whatever. both storylines get better as the show goes on, and they also complement each other more. So, like, the thing that gets really cool about the flash forward, flash backward thing is that it starts to build up certain mysteries in the show because, like, they'll just say something offhand, like, oh, this happened, but then like you'll flash back and you'll start kind of waiting for it to happen. And they'll, they set up more and more things that way. And so you're kind of like waiting to see what happens in the past and then also waiting to see what happens in the future. And yeah, they start to complement each other a lot more. It definitely, bec- once again, it becomes more and more apparent, like why they made that choice. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's good. Uh, okay. I figured out why it's so disjointed. I figured out why it starts so weird and takes so long to get where it's going and why I kind of like it and kind of hate it and all that stuff. It is because the person who developed the show. Get ready for this. (laughs) 
basically no film credits at all. There's two short films in the early aughts that no one will know about. TV show. You've got this, you got the Resident Evil show, an upcoming show, and then the only other credits this man has is working on Supernatural for 12 years. Oh my god. Story editor, executive story editor, producer, supervising producer, co-executive producer, and executive producer. That's so funny because in the last episode when I was doing my pitch, I said it's kind of like Mm -hmm. a supernatural tier show of something that's just Mm -hmm. kind of dumb Mm -hmm. but entertaining. Man, that's really, really funny. Just like the huge supernatural lineage here is like, yeah, I think I get why this is like, sometimes you're like, no, this is an intentionally designed like B tier thing. And then sometimes you're like, no, this is just kind of bad. Yeah, and then, but but those things they they mesh into each other and they like coagulate like it's it's this it's because he worked on Supernatural for so long. Yeah, well, and that's like I said, I called it immediately. I was like, it's like Ghost Whisper or Supernatural or or some show like that. And yeah, it it definitely could have been better. I think knowing that it makes a lot more sense that they they wanted to do like six seasons of it. And it's another thing I found in that interview. I think he said they had five seasons planned and it's like, well, you weren't going to get five seasons and now we're just kind of left with a shitty ending because of that. Um, But yeah, like it could have been tighter. It could have wrapped up better. Um, But yeah, clearly it's a dude who wants to do something like that, that unfolds over a number of seasons of blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I think like if you like that kind of TV or you've ever enjoyed a show like that, I mean, it's a good show like that. Like it's significant. Like the first season of this, which is now probably going to be the only season, is significantly better than the first season of Ghost Whisperer. And like, let me tell you, Ghost Whisperer gets really good in those later seasons. Like, goddamn, that shit is fucking yeah. on fire, I mean, dude. I think if you stick with it, like there's enough. It's I think it's what you want so, or like what you can what you're allowed to want something like this to be like it's got <laughs> enough of the little pieces to make it resident evil right but like it isn't beholden to anything really yeah like i don't have to suffer through a raccoon or like you know they're gonna they're doing raccoon city but they've at least found like a more modern take on how to do that kind of right like they're just google but you know like a pharmaceutical company Like, you know, like that, what Umbrella is at the beginning of this whole franchise, they have managed to make a little more sense in a modern context instead of just making it like, no, they're exactly the same. That's why, like, all that old stuff doesn't hold up well is because it's just like you can't just be like they're a pharmaceutical company that's very big and evil. I'm like, you need to like try a little harder. And, you know, they they did that. They did the work to make this because, like, unfortunately, we're beyond satire now. And so it's very easy to <laughs> like, you're, you, you can just read the news and you get handed like a plot device. So this is, yeah. they, they had a, a very, I won't say that I don't mean to imply they didn't do any work, but it's like, they had a very easy way to set up how this could theoretically go. And they do that. Like it's set now it's set in the year 2022. Like there, that's where the, the past scenes are set. And then the, the future ones are like somewhere around 15 years, I think. Yeah. It's, it's 15 years Um, in the future, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's actually good writing 
because yeah. like when you look at this stuff from the games it doesn't make any fucking sense and so if you hand it to someone who's like yeah okay so maybe this dude isn't like the greatest auteur in tv history but it's like <laughs> he's worked on tv shows everyone who's yeah. on this show like the actors and the people on the production side and everything like they know how to make competent fun to watch tv shows if you hand them something like the source material they're going to say well we have to justify that right like you have to make some sort of justification and so yeah like i actually really like the way they rewrote umbrella in the show which is basically they're a big shitty pharmaceutical company they only care about the bottom line and the ceo becomes obsessed with this drug called joy that's derived from the t-virus because she sees the potential to like make more money than anybody ever and it's like, yeah, okay, the world falling apart because of that is very believable. <laughs> like, yeah. I think the original plot of the games, like, Umbrella was just super faceless. And, like, that's why, like, they had to sort of create the character of Wesker to be, like, the villain of the original, I don't know, three games, three-ish games, four if you count Code Veronica. Because, like... Mm-hmm umbrella was completely faceless they were just like lockheed martin but they decided to make bioweapons you know it's like yeah i mean they came up with a really loose plot for a game or a reason for a game to happen and then they had to kind of like retrofit a bunch of like justification onto it as yeah. time went on so that's why i've been so saying that's this why whole you time. want that's why you want this that's why you want like a reboot or a reimagining like i don't even like reboot because you're not rebooting it they're just like we're going to take some of these ideas and here you go. Cause it's, you know, shows like this get made partially because that's kind of how IP ownership works. Right. Like you kind of have to do something with it because it either becomes too expensive to own it just like, and sit on it forever or you lose it. Right. So, you know, these things do have to get made quote unquote, big air quotes on have to, and so, like, this is, you know, what it, what do you want them to do? Make a CGI show where people have to shoot things all the time, but it's not really fun to do that in a slow burn way. So you have to do the thing where they're, like, shooting at the ground a bunch and, like, shooting behind their back and whatnot. Yeah. And there's just kind of a giant crocodile every once in a while. Or, you know, do you yeah. want someone to make, like, the Google you know, analogous company that ruins the entire world with their fucked up shit. And you get to find out why Lance Reddick is injecting his children's blood into his body. Fucking sick. And stuff like, yeah, like, I don't, you know, maybe if I had to like give you one bullet point for why you should watch it, it's just watch it because Lance Reddick's in it and he does really fucking well. Yeah. Everything surrounding him is is great but every time he's in the scene i'm like they're either going to give me a great like mystery setup or they're just going to give me a really good scene where he like acts like a real motherfucker yeah well literally acts like does his craft like a motherfucker (laughs) or is a real piece of shit to somebody yeah yeah it's good people should shut the fuck up if you're not going to watch it i mean whatever it's your life but at least just like please shut the fuck up about it because like (laughs) All I know is that I watch way too much of that shitty CGI stuff uh, at this point, and so I can say with authority that the Netflix show is good, and you should shut the fuck up. And also, mm. for dealing with all that shit and sitting through it, I am now the hero of Panamstan. So please refer to me as such. 
actually the official show policy is if you purchased or have played Cyberpunk 2077, you have to watch all eight episodes of this TV series. <laughs> yeah. And you have to call me the hero of Panam Stan. I feel like that's kind of racist if someone calls you that, but <laughs> No, 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 it. no. I'm 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 like 15% Panam Stanny on my uh maternal grandmother's side. I can't side. believe you're giving all the gamers the say the Panam Stan slur card. I don't know. <laughs> peace slur. <laughs> How dare you give them the peace slur I'm like, I'm pass. trying to get to the bit payoff without doing any of the setup. So. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.